offerings today. Well, if you would, while they're passing out, open up your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. You know, this is one of those days where I pray, oh, I thank God for the Holy Spirit, the teacher, because I want to read all these scriptures, and I feel like I, I have all of this, all these things to, to mention, but I'm thank, thankful that he's going to give me just the right things to say. In fact, if you're taking notes, I've been asking myself these three things coming into 2018, and it's just three words. What do I need to add? What do I need to subtract? What do I need to preserve? What do I need to add? What do I need to subtract? What do I need to preserve? I can use that. I'm using it personally, right? What are the things I need to add into my life? What happened last year that I would say I need to add something different this year? What do I need to subtract? What do I need to make more simple? But what things do I need to preserve? What just really worked well, went smooth that I need to preserve and to continue going? Because I think those are important things even in this month as we're starting out new, what are the things that God wants to add into your life? What, sh what should you subtract? Has anybody thought of something to subtract? Does anybody have anything to subtract from your life? I would like this removed or preserved, the things that worked well. And then what is your personal word of the Lord to you in 2018? What is God saying to you? That's so important. In fact, when you hear that, you'll know what to add, subtract, and preserve because we go by what the word of the Lord and what he's saying to us. And I think sometimes it's more simple than we think in what he says because many times we see in the scripture, and I like the example of the rich young ruler. Jesus says, you only lack, what did he say you lack? 17 things. He says, you lack one thing. I had somebody tell me the other day, they said, I made one change uh, three weeks ago. He, and, and I said, what was the change? I started going to bed at 10 o'clock, right? 10 o'clock at night. I lost 10 pounds. Uh, you know, they start, started reading through all of, he said, just that one little change. It made me think about that. What's the one change as God speaks in my life? What's the one thing that if I do that, it probably will solve five or six or seven uh, things in my life. So what am I adding, subtracting? And I say that in the beginning because I believe the Holy Spirit is our teacher. And as we read and look in God's word that he's going to speak to your hearts. And if you haven't answered the question about what he's saying, I pray today that he does. So in John, uh, John chapter 6, before we get in there, because, in fact, no, I want to read this one verse. If you read John 6 and you, and you get towards the end and you read Jesus' word, you shake your head for a minute. It's probably underlined in your Bible. And you're probably thinking that it was a translation error because Jesus would never say these words. And he says this in verse 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. All right. Well, I'm done with Christianity, right? Uh, so that, that's where we're going to start today. You know, I was looking up, last week we took a few minutes and we looked at uh, funny church marquees of things that people would put on their marquee. I actually looked up, I don't have any pictures, but I looked up sermon series titles. Anybody that's a pastor or a teacher before, so you know, we do, we sometimes get more concerned with our titles that our titles sometimes stick and we learn that many people forget our titles, right? 
It's God's words that's more important. Well, this church did a three-week series, and this was out of the Madman of Gadara. In fact, here was the first series title, A Nude Dude in a Rude Mood. That was their first title, right? <laughs> Teaching one. Teaching two was The Rude Crude Dude in the Nude. And then they followed up with Solve Our Problems But Save Our Pigs. Well, that's because Jesus sends those demons into the pigs and 2,000 of them go over. I thought that was a good one. Another guy had a series that was called Honey, We Need to Shrink the Camel. It was on uh, for the camel to get through the eye of the needle, they would have to shrink it down. So that was their finance. Honey, we need to shrink our camel. I like this one. Uh, it, was on, it was called Adam and, Adam and Eve's Address. They live at 281 Apple. Get that? 281 Apple. And the second follow-up was They Raised Cain. Get that right? <laughs> Uh, another one was when your birthday cake is a fire hazard. They did a study on Methuselah because he was 969 years old. When your birthday cake is a fire hazard. Another church had a, the study of Noah's Ark, when, what to do when you're in deep doo-doo. <laughs> and then uh, I thought this one was funny about Solomon. Uh, how to know your spouse is one in a thousand baby. Solomon had thousand, right? How do you know the one in a thousand? So Jesus's title is, hey, if you don't eat my flesh and you don't drink my blood, you have no part in me. Wouldn't you love to put that on a marquee? Don't miss Sunday's message. We're going to eat the flesh and drink the blood. Oh my, you get pitchforks. Uh, Michelle and I had a great opportunity. We met a couple when we were in North Carolina called Mason and Virgin Hughes that were the first four-score missionaries to Papua New Guinea. They went to minister among headhunters and cannibals, right? Head, 1956, the stories that they would tell, the, even just even hearing stories of people that eat people, you know, that's kind of tough for us to, so you wonder when somebody looks at you and they say, you know, you look really nice today, you kind of wonder, do they think I'm dressed well or do they think I'd cook up well tonight? <laughs> But their book, you can find on Amazon, 5,000 arrows. He collected over their ministry 5,000 arrows from not only people laying down their arrows from killing people, but trading medicine for arrows. Uh, when they went back several, uh, probably, oh, actually probably 10 years ago, they went back, there was over 10,000 people in attendance for a service they had, but they went among the tough places. I think when Jesus reads this out, it upsets all of his disciples that are following and then all of the ones that are following. It's, it's one of those sayings that we read and we think, did he really just say that? Well, I want to look at that today in, in John chapter 6. And I want to start, Lord, as we read your words, we thank you ahead of time. The Holy Spirit is teaching us, showing us, guiding us, directing us that Jesus is the bread of life. He's not just come to satisfy. He's come to overflow our lives through him. And we bless you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. John chapter 6, I want to just mention verse 2. It says, then a multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he had performed on those who were diseased. Now, I won't take time to read through all of 6, but six is the feeding of the 5,000. And just so we keep this in our mind, Jesus 
mentions to his disciples, where can we buy bread to feed them? And that's the question they have. We don't have enough money. We couldn't find enough bread to give to everyone. Well, he's using it as a test. In fact, we read that in verse 6, because he knows in himself what he's about to do. Now, there are five loaves and two little fish. So remember that one, because we'll come back to that at the end. But I want to jump to verse 26. Verse 26, and we'll come back to the feeding in just a minute. In verse 26, he says this, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Boy, you hear that. You, you didn't seek me because of the miracles. You're seeking me now because I, I fed you. I fed you. Do not labor for the food with, which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. Look at verse 30. Therefore they said to him, Well, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me I will no means cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up on the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Well, let's go on just a little bit, because you, after you hear that, look at what in verse 41. The Jews complained, about him because he says, I, I am the bread which comes down from heaven. And they said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to him, do not murmur amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who has sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day day. Now look down at verse 48 because he's going to say a few of these words. He says, I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are what? They're dead. 
This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Now I'm going to stop and come back there. The one significant thing as we read through these to remember is when we read bread, back in Bible times, in fact, even some cultures today, that is the staple food you eat, right? That's your main course. Then you get a little side of something. You know, we can go through all throughout the Bible. We can read where Elijah's at the brook Cherith and the raven brings him bread and meat in the morning, right? Bread and meat in the evening. We can go on and read that one of the first uh, miracles that Elijah does is he gives this woman enough oil in her cup so that she can continue to make cake, right? It's that staple type of thing. Well, we can go through, keep going through Elijah's life. Elijah is famished and laying down and then all of a sudden an angel bakes him a little cake on the rock and that one little cake lasts him in the strength of 40 days. Elisha uh, multiplied the oil so that they could have bread. Now, in Exodus, God used manna from heaven. Every morning under the dew, they would go and they would collect the manna. And they would take that manna, only enough for the day, and they would take it and they would bake it or they would do whatever they had for it. God provided for that. You know how many years he did that for him? Forty years. Forty years. So the significance of bread and Jesus using bread isn't just some analogy. For us, bread is, no, nah, I'll pass on that. I'm doing the no carb thing right now. Right? That's, that's what we think. Or would you like bread? Oh, no, I'll pass on the bread. Well, in these times, bread is the staple. It's the main thing. It's what you would take with you when you traveled. It's what was baking here. It's the staple. We see that today in certain countries. So when he's using this bread of life, uh, they're understanding the significance of what bread would be. But the one thing the crowd initially sees, they see a hero that can feed them every day. We're going to follow this guy every day. Some, get somebody else's kid's lunch, right? Let's switch some things. Let's have lamb and bread today, not the fish and bread. That's what they're thinking. This guy is our hero. He doesn't come just to multiply the bread and the fish just to feed them. He's wanting to teach them that he's the bread of life. And this miracle will be, and we'll see in a little bit, pointing to something. Do you know I even look up, do you know Bethlehem? Do you know what Bethlehem means? The house of bread. The house of bread. That Jesus would be born, prophesied in Bethlehem. And the, the word Bethlehem means, you get a bonus point today, right? House of bread. And is that just a significant thing? Or is that something that we're seeing that's being taught over and over again? What's the first temptation that Jesus had by Satan in the wilderness? Turn the stones to bread, right? Turn the stones to bread. No, he is coming to show that he is the bread of life. Uh, Rabbi, Zachari Rabbi Zacharias, if you ever heard him teach before, in fact, he had a quote out of one of his books. He says this, um, Jesus intended to lift the listeners from their barren food-dominated existence to the recognition of the supreme hunger of life 
that could only be filled by a different bread, right? Could only be filled by a different bread. He says that I'm the living bread. I like what he goes on. Verse 35, he says, I'm the bread of life. Verse 41, he says, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. Verse 48, he says, I am the bread of life again. Verse 51, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I give is my flesh, which I give for the life of this world. But what does he mean when we read these verses? In fact, let me read, let me read this in verse 52. It says, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on that last day. Now that's always one important for us to stop and say, if you're visiting here today, don't be concerned, right? Don't be concerned, don't be like, uh, the minute he closes his eyes, I'm out of here. No, 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 no. Don't be concerned, because we read on, verse 55, for my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers who ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Now notice where he is in verse 59. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught by Capernaum. And then verse 60 says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a great teaching that we're going to follow. No, it doesn't say that. This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? In fact, if you read on, they complain in themselves and some of them don't follow him again. He turns around later to his disciples and he says this, do you want to leave too? Now that doesn't sound like Jesus, does he? That doesn't sound like the one that's come to seek and save the lost, that he would say, do you want to leave too? That'd be like a pastor on a Sunday saying, Hey, I'm glad you're all here, but do you want to leave too? Right? Michelle, you too? You want to leave? I mean, you think the guy's crazy. What's Jesus doing? Trying to subtract everybody out? Well, he just taught, don't follow me because of the sign. Don't follow me because I multiplied the bread. Follow me and be a part of me because I'm this bread of life that will always satisfy you. You know, and, and it's important to know he's not talking about communion because communion wasn't established yet. So when he says, uh, eat my flesh and drink my blood, what he's saying, he's referring to him, believing in him personally and the death on the cross about what he's to go through. Though the language seems offensive to us, the cross was offensive. It mocked the person that was on the cross. See, true living in him, we start the beginning of John chapter 1, or John chapter 1, verse 14, and the word became flesh, right? The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us. 
it's this come to me, this daily bread, right? That morning time. You know those, those early uh, Israelites, they would go every morning and collect the manna for the day. If you didn't collect it, the moment the dew was gone, it was gone. It was their daily bread. Their daily existence was being shown to them that God is taking care of them. Even as one of my pastor friends will say all the time, and it's so funny, he would say they probably had a song that said, manna, 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 right? They would complain about the same taste. But what was God doing? Every day he's giving them bread. Every day he's showing them something because the bread of life is coming. Every day I'm taking care of you, but there's going to become one coming that you're never going to have to hunger again. He's the bread of life, but you have to come to him. All right, now let me flip the story. Because we understand that Jesus is not saying, come and bite my skin, come and drink my blood. But he's telling us of something significant about his life, that we are to come to him, that he is the life giver the life giver that gives us his words. But I want to look just quickly at the beginning of John 6 and this miracle that takes place with the feeding of the 5,000. The Bible says men. You know, some Bible scholars have added up and said it's minimum 7,500 people probably. The maximum that it could be if you took, you know, Jacob and all of his kids, you know, got all these 12 kids or so, the maximum could have been up in, you know, 10, 12,000 people. Hey, I don't care if there was 10 people to multiply that lunch. That was a miracle. So 5,000 men and then whatever families were with them are fed. Well, when I read down, in fact, I want to see what Jesus uh, says in verse 11. He took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to his disciples and his disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish. Notice what it says. As much as they wanted. As much as they wanted. You know, my son's going through a growing spurt right now. It's not uncommon that he eats dinner and then an hour later, I'm hungry. Right? It's not uncommon. You know, we used to correct them when the kids were little and they'd say, I'm starving. We'd say, you're not starving. You don't know what starving is. Right? Quit complaining. You'll eat what we eat. Notice they had as much as they wanted. Isn't that interesting about what Jesus did? Right? As much as they wanted. Completely satisfied. There's something about Jesus that there's nothing else that can happen. He completely satisfies us with more than enough. But it goes on. In fact, we read down. It says, so uh, when they were filled... He said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Well, we read down in verse 13. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the frag. Notice what it says. With the fragments of the barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Gather up all of the pieces. In fact, some of the translations, gather up all of the pieces of bread that remain. So as they did that, they have 12 baskets. How many disciples we have? 12 disciples. Here's what I always think. I think not only it showed the disciples, I'm now holding a basket that started with five barley loaves and two fish, and now I have all of these pieces. We have 
more than enough. Everybody's full. You know, that's almost impossible to do at a dinner nowadays or a lunch, that everybody's completely full. More than enough. But here's what I read that I looked at. Notice what fragments were left over. Five of the five barley loaves. Didn't say fish. I went through every translation. I looked up everything as I read that. And there's nowhere that it reads that there were fish left over. The only thing left over was bread. And what does Jesus then teach? I'm the bread of life. Right? The only thing that he wanted them to see completely left over, completely filled, and more enough was him. But they missed it because they wanted another sign. Show us something else. Show us something else. Do something else. I just showed you something. And I showed you that I'm more than enough to fill you up. I'm more than enough to overflow. And I'm more than enough because I'm the bread of life and I want to walk with you every day. You know, when I read that, I think of this in our life because I think we forget. We, we read these miracles that take place. But inside that story, Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, is wanting to tell us that we think we're filling ourselves up with other things that will, will take place. He's the only thing that can satisfy. He's the only one that says, I'm the bread of life, and if you eat of me and you come to me, you'll never hunger again. You'll never hunger again. You'll be full, filled, satisfied, and you'll have something for leftovers. What's the leftovers for? For the disciples, right? They get a little snack as they go. No, what's the leftovers for? You're finding somebody along the route, giving them something to eat. Because you have more than enough. You don't need all that. It's going to go bad. Now you're going to take advantage of it when you go to the different villages and you come across people. I want to give you some, something to eat. He's more than enough. We don't contain it and keep it in a back room. We're to give that away as we're full. Isn't that great what God does? Because somebody gave it away to us. Somebody was filled, satisfied, and overflowed and wanted to give it to us. And he wants to give us the same thing. So true living is found by the daily bread in our lives. Boy, here's my prayer. I pray we're like those early Israelites, but not in our heart, that every morning, every day, they knew they needed to get up and they needed to go gather the bread from heaven because that Old Testament example now is the bread of heaven is Jesus that every day, we can find something in him in our lives every day. He's new every morning. He's the one that we come to, to listen to. But if we do that every day, how important it is that we'll be full, that we'll be filled, and that we'll have something to give away. Lord, we pray today that we wouldn't just read your word for information, but Lord, we would take it in our hearts as transformation. That you didn't do signs, just I can do these things. I can take five loaves and two fritz and watch what I do. No, no, no. You wanted to, to show us a story that you're the bread of life. This bread perishes, but my bread and who I am is everlasting. I came so that I could be your daily bread. Lord, we remember Jesus in John 4 when the disciples brought him something to eat and he said, 
uh, my food is to do the will of my Father. Lord, remind and show us that doing your work, serving in your ministry is more satisfying. Sharing with others is more satisfying. Giving out what has been filled full and overflow is more satisfying than when we keep it to ourselves. We're not about information and knowledge and what we can stack up. We're about giving out what you give us. And we thank you for that today. If you're here today and you would say, oh, I, I need to make sure that I'm coming to him. I pray today that you would make that commitment. Follow him. See those examples in the Bible that aren't Old Testament, something that we read about as a cute story. No, it's an example. He was wanting to be their daily existence every day. Every day. And Lord, we bless you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.